Welcome everyone to the Row by Row Garden Show, the best dead gum gardening show on the radio and the internet as well. We've got a good show for you this evening. We've got Mama Hoss back on the set. How about it, Mama Hoss? I know, been a while. Been a while. Kicked me off. Kicked you off, but now you're back. Didn't have nobody else, did you? <laughs> <laughs> well, you always, everybody enjoys seeing you on the show. So I said, okay, we got to bring Mama Hoss back on the show. We're going to do a little special this evening. We're going to do a little question and answer just for Mama Hoss. Mm -hmm. Yep. So just to give everybody some enlightenment here, I found you on a hog farm 30-some-odd okay. years ago. I don't mean that in a derogatory type way. How many years ago? 30-something years ago. <laughs> and... Uh, and I don't mean the hog farm a derogatory. No, it was, it was literally, literally a hog farm. Yeah, that's I mean, what my granddaddy did. Yeah, I mean, you lived steps away from a hog farm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, y'all had your own chickens. Y'all homesteading before homesteading was cool. Before it had a name. Yeah. And uh, so you, you we have... We had chickens. We had, we raised our own um, beef. We had calves that we fed by bottle. Milk Horse cows. pigs, milk cows. Or a milk cow. Was it a milk it cow? It was a milk cow, yeah. Milk cow. Yeah. And uh, so, I'm going to cut you on firewood and all that kind of stuff. So we did. Guard, grew you on food we for did. the most part. So you grew up with your with your mother and father there, and next door was your grandmother. Mm -hmm. And she, y'all really learned a lot from her. She's still alive today. Yeah, that would be Mama. She's 94. 94. And Mama was, and still is, well-versed in the old ways. Yes. So you learned a lot from them. I can remember going out there when we started dating, slaughtering their own pigs, mm -hmm. and we would spend the day processing the meat. Right. We had our own little meat processing room. Yeah. So that just gives you some background on her expertise. Now, mine has more been in the garden arena, in the produce and, and agriculture there than it was. I didn't come up living like that of actually doing all our own food we didn't necessarily do that we was more into the producing of the the produce the tomatoes and things like that so a little different but anyhow i taught you a lot you did teach me a lot <laughs> yes you have so we're Anything going to, you know? we're going to get into that we're going to do a question and answer session with miss hoss and she can share some of her experiences with you all there as far as preserving and harvesting, not harvesting, but preserving and canning and uh, your, your, your fruits from your garden mm -hmm. and uh, go that route. First of all, let's talk about what's up in the garden. Mm, look at here. Yep. I gather these Saturday. They are the sweet dumpling squash. Isn't that pretty? Now, she grew the sweet dumplings in her raised beds, and I planted the delicatas in my garden. And both of these are of the pepo type of species. Now, these sweet dumpling delicatas are some of the sweetest winter squash out there. That being said, when they are of the sweetest ones, they have the less amount of storage or shelf life. Now, these are here's going to last you about two months, maybe. It's according to what kind of weather you have here. But they don't last as long as some of the butternuts and things like that. But they do have a good bit sweeter flavor. And to us, it's, it's one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. This one probably, if I had to put them up against one another, that's a tough one there. I would probably go with the sweet dumpling over the delicata, but I really like the delicata as well. I, got a good, I had a good harvest of them up there. 
I had I only had six plants and I ended up with probably about 14 um, fruit on there. And, and they, we, they won't last two weeks. No. And uh, we eat them all. We planted these in, was it the end of July? Like, yeah. Like we planted them about the same last time. Last week in July. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you know, I love heirloom corns and I love winter squash. It's two of my favorite things to grow there. How's, you, how's your corn doing? My corn, my corn had a good spring crop. My fall crop that I did a video on that we transplanted, I had some issues there. It's really tall, ain't it? It's really short. It's probably <laughs> the shortest corn I've ever grown. It's actually silken, but uh, something went bad wrong there. Bad. Bad wrong. I think Carrie's going to do a little post toward the end of the week and uh, let everybody know just how bad we, bad we did. To be honest with you. We might have a picture we can show. I don't know exactly what happened. And we had this discussion this morning about what happened. I, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I mean, it always looked green. It never, it never got dry on me. The only thing I could figure out is I transplanted a few days too late. Because it was so wet. But it was so wet. But I really, I, sometimes that happens. You know, you always, these people out there, especially on YouTube, always showing you their successes. Sometimes we have failures as well. I don't care who you are, you're going to have those failures. But we still going to have corn. Well, we probably still going to have corn. It's silken. So, yeah. It's really short. Yep. So let's talk about just a minute. You know, it's October and uh, everybody's thinking about gardening is over with. But it's really not. We're going to give everybody some ideas on what you could still plant on the garden. How about that? Move this to the side here. Okay. Now, a couple of things that I still think you got time for here in Zone 8 and Zone 9 and maybe in Zone 7 would be English peas. And we have two different varieties here. We've got Sugar Prince pea, which makes the regular English pea. And they have, excuse me, let me back up. I said that wrong. we got Mr. Big Pea here that is a known variety to make a nice English peas. And then we got Mr. Sugar Prince pea right here. Now, Sugar Prince is unique because you can pick them early as a sugar snap or you can let them mature on out as an English pea. So that's what I'm gonna plant. It's a dual purpose pea. Okay. That's the one I've got planted. I planted some of these last Saturday. Oh, I thought you were gonna plant another one. Maybe nope. I need to plant the other You plant this one because I got missed, uh, not okay. missed, but I got Sugar Prince. I said Sugar Prince pea, I got him planted out there and they're starting to come up. Planted them Saturday and they're starting wow. to bust through the ground today. So got that. You also got time, plenty of time, pretty much wherever you are, to plant spinach. Spinach will take plenty of cold weather. Now, one thing people make a mistake with on spinach is they plant it too early. It does not like the heat. It will not germinate in, in warm type soil. So it likes cool soils to germinate. You know, days of maturity on this is 45 days. So you got plenty of time to get spinach in. Do not plant spinach to your soil temperature gets below 70 degrees because it just won't germinate well. And I'm going to show you some varieties that I planted over the weekend. Got, still got radishes, got plenty of time for radishes. I planted these two varieties here, French Breakfast, which is probably the most popular radish there are out there for good reason. 25 days to maturity. You got plenty of time to make those. And I planted this new one right here called Sparkler. Mm. Ain't it pretty? That's pretty. So I got French breakfast radish and Sparkler radish planted. Both of those are at 25 days maturity. You got plenty of time to get radishes in and get them grown out before the cold weather gets here. And they'll take just a little bit of cold weather. And of course, still got time for beets. 
Now I planted the uh, Merlot, but this Detroit dark red beet is another good one. Fifty-five days. I planted days. the golden. Touch tone. Touch, yeah. Yeah, that's Touch a good tone. one. Yeah, that's a good one. Fifty-five days material to here, and man, we just had some pickled beets a couple of nights ago. I love mm -hmm. pickled beets. So you still got time to get beets in, and we can't forget Mr. Carrot. My carrots are looking good. Yep. Gold nugget here. I picked this one out because it is such a beautiful carrot with that deep yellow co uh, color. I got some of those. Now we normally overwinter those where we live. So you got time to plant those, get them up before the cold weather gets here and, and you'll have some good carrots come early, early spring. One other thing I want to mention with these English peas is we got this soil inoculate right here that's in the shaker can. It's very unique. So you can inoculate your peas when you plant them. Just simply put it in the shaker position there and just shake it out in the fur, either under the seed or either on top of them, it doesn't matter. And then you got a, you got you feel comfortable that you got a good inoculate beneficial bacteria on those pea seeds, which are legumes. And what does it do? It helps the <coughs> seed be able to attract and have that. You asked me a pretty complex question there, did you? <laughs> It helps the bacteria, it's a beneficial bacteria that helps that legume transfer the qualities of being able to attract nitrogen and to work within the soil. Does that sound good? It's pretty good. It's beneficial bacteria that works together with a legume seed. Okay. So there we have that. And now we just showed them squash. We did. But we got something right here. We're going to show y'all because y'all may not know how you cook these winter squash. And I, I've done a video that we'll publish later this week on the recipe. Take that off. So this is the sweet dumpling. And it's just roasted in the oven with some olive oil upside down for 20 minutes on 350. And then I turn it over and I topped it with some banana pepper, poblano pepper, onions that I had sauteed, then some bacon and Parmesan cheese. Smells oh, and cavengers. Yep. And then I took some of them and made a soup puree. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I actually like that better than the, I've already had some. So the soup here, you could eat, or you could eat them as a roast. Now this is the way I normally prefer them, but I haven't had your soup. That's good. A little different, but good. It's almost like gravy. It's kind of thick. It's just got some uh, half and half and then the um, pumpkin. It's rich. Pretty rich. Half and half, yeah. Yeah. Really not on your diet. Not on my diet. So well, that's I'm on your gonna, diet. I, this is on my diet. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dig in here just a minute while I'm asking some of these questions All here. Right. So you ready? I'm ready. Shoot. All right, questions from Miss Hoss that were submitted through YouTube and through Facebook. And we may not get to all the questions, but we're going to get some of them there today. The first one is from Melissa C. And she says, what tips can you share for someone just getting started with canning and preserving their harvest? First, I would say find you a mentor, family member, a relative, um, a good friend, a good neighbor. I grew up, as as far as I can remember, I Blessed. always, 
help uh, get the produce ready and then sit there and watch the stove and watch the pressure cooker. Um, so it's just something I've always grown up with. There's a lot of resources on um, the internet, uh, canning classes you can take. Um, I'd also recommend that you always have fresh produce. You know, if it looks bad, you don't want to can it. The fresher, the better. Um, have you a good um, recipe and follow that recipe to the T with the ingredients and the um, how to, if it's a water bath or a pressure canner. Um, and before you start, get all your ingredients and all your equipment ready. It's so frustrating to get everything ready and then uh, you don't have the right size of bands. That's happened to me before. Um, check your equipment. And I would say the number one thing is set aside the right amount of time. It's not something you can start and quit and come back to. Or if you have small kids that you have to tend to, make sure that you have provisions, somebody can help you with them maybe. Because when you get started, it's kind of hard to tend to small children to have a pressure can going. It can get a little frustrating. Right. You helped me one time this year. You actually yeah. watched them. Yeah. You did. Yeah. I was proud. Yeah. I actually like this better than I do that. That's a little rich for me. Okay. Anyway. You know, you were blessed coming up. You had that mentorship, somebody that could mm -hmm. teach you. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah, I think I take it for granted. Yeah. But now my um, younger sister, she doesn't can. Which now she was seven years younger. She might not have. She might have come along. Most of the time, those, those younger children face a lot of the age difference are so spoiled <laughs> that they don't really get into it. So you was the middle child. Yeah, and Camille didn't really. Know. She'll put stuff up in the freezer, but she, right. she didn't. You just took a more liking I guess to it. So. Yeah. Question number two comes from Tracy Adkins. It says, "What are some things you can can? What are things you can every year?" I always can soup. We love that in the wintertime. Actually, in the summertime too, but especially in the wintertime. I always do pickles, sweet, dill, bread and butter, um, and green beans. Mm -hmm. Always those three. You gotta have those green beans when you get in the tight. You can always throw them in the pot. Mm -hmm. In just a few minutes, you got them ready. All right, the next one is from Gloria. I'm not gonna attempt Gloria's last name. It says, can you recommend some books on canning that would have information on what to look for in a pressure canning and recipes? Yeah, okay, the book that I use is the Blue Book Guide to Preserving. Now this is a 2010 issue. Uh, they've had some come out since then, but this is my go-to book. It has the different type of pressure canners, whether you need to pressure can, whether you need to water bath, all the equipment you need, how to prepare your um, fruit or your vegetables, and then it has some really good recipes in it um, that you can start off with easy ones and then go to some more difficult ones. But this is my go-to book. Lee and Walker wants to know, how is your irrigation system system set up in your raised beds. <laughs> For people who don't know, you have a raised bed garden. Right. Yeah, and a little backstory on that is back in 96, I think it was, um, I was in a bad car wreck and ended up two years later having a hip replacement and I couldn't get down and work in the garden anymore. So good old Mr. Hawes here built me a raised bed garden and I just fell in love with it. And it's 23 years later. Mm -hmm. um, I really love it because I can get out there and do everything myself. I don't have to rely on you to do well, anything. Well, you do rely on me sometimes. Can you come oh, yeah. do me a favor? I do get you to spray it sometimes. Yeah. That yeah. or either tote some of the 
piles yeah, off. you do help me clear it and out. And I do. I normally don't grumble much. Not much. Not much. A little but bit. back to the irrigation question. Right now, I have, it's just a water hose and a watering can. We've thought about setting up some irrigation, but some of the wood in there is really given away and actually needs to be redone and we can't decide what we're gonna do yet. So right now it's just a water hose and a watering can. Yep. Sometimes a sprinkler. We will put a, uh, a permanent irrigation system in when we redo it. Thank you. The next one is from uh, Audrey Whittington. She wants to know, so you use cover crops in your raised beds? Not intentionally, but I guess I do, because I plant mustard in there in the fall, and then during the summer, I'll rotate um, sunflowers through most of the beds. So I do, and I don't, I guess you would say. Yeah, but you normally don't let them sit empty, though. Very no, uh, they're never empty. And Jeff says, hello, Miss Hoss. What is your favorite recipes for making pickled okra and whole pickles? Mm. For my pickled okra, I use the recipes in this book, The Pickled Pantry. It has a dill, a spicy, and then the sweet. And you actually like the spicy mm -hmm. the best. Um, if you want those recipes, just send an email to cussserve at hostels.com. Is that right? Yep. And uh, we'll get them sent out to you. I think we've had them on the show before. As far as the pickles, sweet pickles, are my favorite and that was my grandma's recipe i love those too and we keep those in the refrigerator going just about all the time yeah. so we had a good fall harvest of cucumbers yeah, and we got yeah. us kicked out in fact we ate some last night we've had some every night for about two weeks yep all right and the ginger rose garden wants to know what is the best way to get into canning books first or just jump right in i wouldn't say to just jump right in like say the ball book is what I would recommend, and then there's several sources, all kind of YouTube videos out there. Out there. Just make sure it's a trusted source and a proven recipe to follow. And again, find a mentor. Yeah. Virginia Baker says, should I add compost every year to my raised beds? I have mostly flowers. Some are perennials, some are annuals. I had some red snapper tomatoes. Can I plant those tomatoes there again next year? I've heard it's not a good idea. Um, what I do to my raised beds is twice a year when I'm getting ready for my spring planting about two weeks ahead of time, I do add that gin compost and some organic fertilizer. And then when I, those summer vegetables are done, I'm getting ready for fall, I'll add the compost again. Mm -hmm. As far as the tomatoes, I'll let you answer that. Yeah, so ideally, in the ideal world, what you want to do is you want to rotate those nightshades so you don't ever want to plant nightshades in the same place again. That would be, an example would be tomatoes and Irish potatoes. You don't want to plant them in the same place over and over again. You want to rotate. But you know, with raised beds, a lot of times it is tough because you're limited on the amount of space you got. And we have planted them back to back. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you just do the best you can what good what the good thing is about raised beds is it's easy to amend the soil because you're dealing with a small area so if you are having to plant them back at the same spot again it's not ideal but try to amend the soil with some good compost and some good or, or organic fertilizer to kind of overcompensate for having to plant them back in the same place the answer to that is you just do the best you can sometimes okay um kayla erickson 
I'm on, it, I have a hard name, time with some of these last names. Erickson. Eric, yep. <clears throat> what do you personally water? What do you personally water bath can? Um, I water bath any of my tomatoes and um, my bread and butter pickles. I use the pressure canner for my soups because it's a combination of tomatoes and vegetables and my green beans. Linda Hippie, I love that name. Do you have any recipes for preserving homegrown ginger? No, I do not, and I would love some. So if any of our um, viewers out there have any recipes for um, homegrown ginger, and she specifically said not candied ginger, send them into our customer service email, and we'll share them with everybody. You know, we've flirted with growing, excuse me, we flirted growing with ginger a time or two, but it's something we should probably do more yeah. of. And that's good. You're about finished. I'm about finished with them. Um, Kathy WC says, besides fermenting, what other ways can you preserve cabbage? Is it possible to freeze it in shreds? Okay. I've never personally done it, but I was looking when I was preparing for the show. And in this book, there's a recipe for freezer slaw. Huh. And it actually has the shredded cabbage and it's onions and peppers and carrots. There's some sugar and vinegar, a little bit of bowl in it, and then you freeze it. So um, I would say, yes, you can shred it and freeze it. And if you want that recipe, just put it in the comments and I'll send it out. Norma Cedar says, how do you attend, excuse me, how do you amend your raised beds? I think you told Yeah, I said that before. And you know, tell them about my TikTok. Sure. Um, Mama Halls has a TikTok now. It's Mama Halls Tools. And if you go and search for that, there is a video on there of me amending my beds back in the spring. But again, I just do the compost and the organic fertilizer complete, twice a year. Complete organic fertilizer, which Com is a hand manure. Okay. Yeah, I think it shows pictures of that too. Yep. Lisa Campbell says, I'm in Zone 8 in Auburn, Alabama and can't grow carrots to save my life. Any advice would be helpful. Okay, last year was the first year I grew them. You want loose soil that is well-drained. You want it in a sunny area that gets to like six to eight hours of sun. Mm -hmm. You don't want any um, soil with rocks or clumps in it because when that carrot grows down, it's gonna split. So you need some rich soil that's high in organic matter. And one of the most important things is once you plant those seed is keep them watered lightly. Wait, wait, wait. I do it twice a day until they germinate and then I'll do it really lightly every day depending mm -hmm. on if it rains or not. But they need one inch of water a week. Creations by Christy Once says, what is the best layout for raised beds in a small yard? When to plant, how many per bed? Y'all are closer in zone here in North Carolina. Okay, we have some pictures of my raised beds. We're gonna flash up on the screen. But my space is about a thousand square feet, maybe a little bit bigger. It's a 32 by 32. I have six four by eight raised mm -hmm. beds That's and right. then a long um, four by say 24 yep. in the back. And then the middle of it, I have actually a fish pond and we'll show a picture of that too. I use that water from that fish pond to water my garden about once a week. I'll change out the water. Yeah, we, you enjoy the fish as well. Mm -hmm. um, what was the other part of the question? How many, how many, what to plant? 
how many per bed. You know, plant when, anything. Yeah, you normally plant like for your tomatoes and stuff like you need them to go on about a two foot space in there. Mm -hmm. So when our bed is four foot wide, she'll run two rows down through there and that gives you two foot apart there. That's pretty much right there. Yeah, and, and when you built these beds, like I say, I'd had that hip surgery. And so you made them only four feet wide so I could reach either side. Which is the ideal width for anybody putting in raised beds out there. Four foot wide raised bed is perfect because yes. you can reach in from two foot from each side. The last thing you want to do is get a bed that you can access to get in there and weed and tend to. All right, Southern Arkansas Gardener says, what is your favorite flower to grow and why? What materials are your raised beds made of? What type of soil do you grow in and how do you water your beds? You've done cover that. And what is something you don't preserve anymore? Love the show. Um, my favorite flower would be sunflowers and zinnias. Um, the raised beds are made, I'll let you answer that. Raised beds was made out of pressure treated lumber and they've lasted about 20 years. Now if I had it to do over again, I'm not sure I would go that route. You know, we've all got concerns about some of those chemicals leaching into the soil when you use pressure treated lumber. So I think the most, I'm not sure it's correct English, um, the best material to make raised beds out of is probably some kind of masonry product, whether it be brick or block or something like that. It's probably the most expensive as well. But I think that is the best way to make raised beds and they probably have the, long, the longest longevity to them. However, there's a company out there called Tartar that is selling metal raised beds at Home Depot and Lowe's now. And we've looked at those and those are pretty I nice. I like the way they look. Yeah. And I think they're built fairly, fairly substantial. So that would be another option there I would go with. either. Some, I would either go with a mortar process of brick and block, masonry product, or either with those tartar metal raised beds. Now, there are going to be people out here that talks about the galvanized part of those metal ones, and, and that could be an issue. But I don't think it's, it would be enough to... to discouraged me against them. And what type of soil did you put in? We put, we originally put them, we, mix, we had some good topsoil mm -hmm. and we mixed the good topsoil in with the majority of mushroom compost. And then every year you've added to it. Yeah. So those are, it's real rich. The soil is real fluffy, very high in organic matter. But if you have access to mushroom compost, that's some good stuff. You have to be careful about being a little on the hot side, but that is some very good stuff. And the vegetable that I don't can as I used to, are potatoes. Because we have an abundance of them pretty much year round. Yeah, so we store them in a cool, dry place in the barn. But now what we used to do is we would put potatoes and green beans we, in we, we. Yes, I used to can the potatoes and the green beans together. Yeah, and we could just dump them out. And, mm -hmm. Anyway. We. <laughs> we. Uh, Asunio Farms says, what are your thoughts and opinions on freeze drying garden products? I love the show, especially when you appear with Greg. Thank you. Um, that is something I really want to look into. Um, I've seen a lot of it on YouTube. Some of our affiliates actually do it and I, it's just really interesting to me and that's on my bucket list. Yeah. It does take uh, you know, a lot of room, um, the equipment. Yeah, and it's fairly expensive as well. Yeah. But you know what? You, the great thing about it is after you freeze dry these products, you don't have to depend on electricity, a freezer, or anything like that. So there is some things you can weigh out there. I think it's something we should probably look into. I mean, I would like to talk to people that do more of it and find out their thoughts on it and see if they think it's been huge 
beneficially to the homestead. I do like the fact that you don't have to worry about when you have power go off for a few days, you don't have to worry yeah. about your freezer. You got that food source. Cog Hill did a lot of their figs this year yep. and they looked really good. They did. All right. Patty Clark says, I had a bumper crop of mild habaneros this jalapenos. year. Jalapenos. Jalapenos, yeah, I'm having trouble with my eyes here. <laughs> jalapenos this year. But to be honest, we're getting a little sick of them because picking what, besides picking, what else can you do with them to preserve them? Freezing them never keeps them very long. Is there another method? Um, I made some uh, hot sauce that you really liked. Mm -hmm. We have that recipe if you need it. I made some pecan jalapeno pepper jelly that was really good. And I've seen a lot of people make what they call cowboy candy. Yeah. A lot of sugar. I'm not yeah. a big fan of that. I'm trying to stay like, away from that. Trying to stay away from sugar. Patty Clark says, I excuse me, I just did Patty Clark. John C says, How do you know how do I know that what I can is definitely safe to give to friends? Thank you. I should have brought my glasses. You need to borrow mine. I'm good. About um, <laughs> well, you want to follow your recipe exactly, whether it's a water bath or a pressure canner. As long as you follow a trusted recipe to the T, and then once your um, goods have cooled, you want to take that band off and hold it by that seal and make sure you've got a good seal there and press on that, make sure it don't pop. If you follow a good recipe and you, it's sealed, it should be good to go. Now if you see, and we have this happen every now and then, want to lose a seal and you'll get mold on the top. Yeah. Discard that, throw that away. Unless yeah. you got some friends that you don't. And you want to store it in. <laughs> that was ugly. <laughs> you want to store it in a cool, dry place. Keep a constant temperature. E.W. Law, and this is the last question. This is probably the best one. E.W. Law says, how do you put up with Greg? L-O-L. Mm. How do I put up with Greg? Let me see. Um. Mm. Homemade wine. See this, you, you didn't tell me you was going to do this. Okay, and uh, let's go to the corny joke of the week. I got one for you. All right. <laughs> How do you make a honeymoon salad? How do you make a honeymoon salad? I don't think I've got the first one here, corny jokes. But I, I don't know. Lettuce alone, no dressing. That's good. <laughs> And that was sent in by Kelly. We'll be sure to get you something in the mail. Uh, so you know what? One more thing before we wrap up. We still got, we're, we have sold out of garlic. We have sold out of strawberries. We sold out of elephant garlic, but we still have onion plants. So if you people out there want you some onion plants, we're gonna have them in the first of November. And we've got plethora, plethora, excuse me. Plethora. Plethora. We got plethora, we got Savannah sweet, and we have red creole and all three of those are short day onions which are great for growing here in the south and november 1st is going to be the ideal time to get them out so we're going to ship them between november 1st and november 5th so you'll be perfect timing to get them out we have them on the website you can go ahead and order them 
and get them booked because I got a feeling we're going to sell out before long. But there you have it, folks. Make sure you under, get those uh, onion plants ordered. And um, how was the squash? Squash is really good. Uh, it looks yeah, like it was. It was good. I ate them all but one. Yeah, it's my favorite. I like it better than I did the soup. I know you like the soup I like better. The soup. Each to their own. All right, folks. Thank y'all for joining. One more thing before I forget it. Homesteaders of America, oh, Saturday yeah. morning, Saturday morning, I will be speaking there on cover crops. It's in Virginia. I think it's already sold out this year, but they, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that do so. I think you can actually buy tickets and watch it online. Really? Mm -hmm. So you may want to do that. If not, make plans to attend this year. It's a well-attended group. Um, a lot of experts there. We're speaking for an hour on utilizing cover crops on the homestead. Mm -hmm. So there you have it, folks. Hope you enjoyed the show. Now it's time to get out of there and get dirty. Mm -hmm.